Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truth of living the abundant life. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing, John 15, 5. I cannot chance living my own life. Let me repeat that again. I cannot chance living my own life and be confident looking for the second coming. I must allow Christ to live through me to be confident looking for the second coming. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. In grade school, were you a clock watcher? You know, waiting for those final minutes to tick away so you could rush out the door and get to the more important things of a kid's life? Well, Pastor Xavier feels we should be just as aware of the soon return of the Lord. And that being said, it also needs to be reflected in the way we live our life. Let's find out how we rejoin him in our Simple Truth Study series from the Epistle to the Romans. Romans chapter 13, we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 14. The message is entitled, Living, Knowing Jesus is Coming. Paul has just spoken about our life in relationship to the state in verse 1 through 7 of chapter 13. Our love in relationship to our neighbor in verse 8 through 10. And now he's going to speak about our life in relationship to the coming of Jesus, 11 through 14. And so he declares that the believers to be looking for the coming of Jesus and is to be characterized by three things. Here it is. The believer is to know the times. The believer is to know the times. Secondly, the believer is to live the truth. And thirdly, the believer is to fight temptations. Notice, Paul the Apostle declared that the believer will be very conscious of the period of time they occupy in history. And do this, knowing that the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep, indicating a spiritual stupor, unaware of the critical time period, being unconcerned, lethargic, complacent, mediocre, The Apostle Paul declared that the believer was to be conscious of the nearness of the Lord's coming. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. He includes himself, we. And so the word salvation here, he's using synonymous with the coming of the Lord. Because our salvation will be truly complete when he comes in the future for us. You understand? We're in a process. Have been saved, are being saved, and shall be saved. The kingdom is present and yet to come. It's here present. People are being saved, delivered, but it's yet to come in its full and complete form when Christ sets up the kingdom. Notice, secondly, the believer is then to live for truth. The rest of 12 and 13. In 12 there, the apostle Paul declared the only conclusion a Christian can come to in view of the Lord's imminent return is to be prepared. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. The believer's proper response is to reject the old sin life, all that opposes God, not being conformed to the world. Remember Romans 12, 2? Not being conformed to the world. In view of the fact that all that he's done for us in chapter 1 all the way to 11, we present our body a living sacrifice, not being conformed to the world. 
Let us walk properly, as in the day, not in revelry or in drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Paul stated the positive injunction first. Let us walk properly. The life of the believer is to be decent. The command to walk, the word means to order one's behavior, to conduct oneself, peripatel, to walk around. Properly, decent, honestly is the word. Paul then stated six negative injunctions that seem to come in pairs. The first two have to do with alcoholic festivities. It means a revel, carousal, and nocturnal riotous procession of half-drunken men and women who after supper paraded through the streets with torches and music in honor of Baca, the deity of drunkenness and revelry. And generally... In those feasts, there were drinking parties, and they were practiced till all hours of the night and indulged themselves completely. Nothing has changed. The God of Bacchus is still alive today. I'm amazed at some of these spring break events that go on that are promoted by universities and, and, and MTV and everything else. For young people to destroy brain cells that they can't afford to lose. We work at killing ourselves. And we dare to call it fun. The second pair have to do with sexual immorality. Not in lewdness. It means a place for laying down the word. Resting, sleeping, a couch, the marriage bed of adultery, cohabitation, indicating sexual immorality. Look around us since the late 60s with Planned Parenthood giving permission for sexuality, facilitating the children. God forbid we should teach them to be moral. Let's just give them condoms. And then let's lie to them and tell them that using condoms will protect them. Listen to me. Condoms will not protect you from sexually transmitted diseases. If you're a young person and you're out there sexually active, you're crazy. Not in lust. It means unbridled lust. Excess. Licentiousness. Lasciviousness. Words we don't use anymore. Wantonness. Outrageousness. Shamelessness. Insolence. In your face. They boast about how lewd they are. You understand? That's how it is today. The last pair have to do with pride. Not in strife, meaning contention, wranglings, and quarrels. Putting self first. That's the heart of it. Not in envy, means an excitement of mind, of contentious, jealous rivalry, desiring to have what others have. Bling. (laughs) Everybody's after bling bling today. They may have a nice car, but they live in a shack. And it's ready to be repossessed. What is wrong with that picture? Bling bling all over the place and their babies don't even have diapers. Food. Hmm. Samson was a man that always was making provisions for his flesh. Carnal. For 20 years, he destroyed his reputation and he lost his life. 
Judges chapter 15 to chapter 16. Always can stay away from those uh, Philistine women, those Phillies. <laughs> Always wanted to be unequally yoked. Every generated person can live a carnal or a spiritual life. It is a choice of the will, ladies and gentlemen, not willpower. It's a choice of the will to depend on being spirit empowered. The carnal man is dominated by the sensual desires of the old man, the flesh. First Corinthians chapter 3, 1 through 4 speaks about the Corinthians being carnal, even as the babes in Christ. Strives, divisions, party splits, stuff like that. It is a life of self-will and rebellion towards God. Self is still on the center of the throne. It is a position of immaturity, too often by refusal to grow, as Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 says. Lot was a carnal man, and he tormented himself, and Peter calls him, he tormented his righteous soul from day to day. I don't understand that scripture. To me, Lot was a rat, 2 Peter 2, 8, but I'll take Peter's word for it. <laughs> but he added to his own hurt because he was carnal. The Corinthians had to be chastened by God in sickness and death, 1 Corinthians eleven, thirty, 30, because they were carnal. The spiritual man is dominated by the Holy Spirit and yields to the desires of the new man. Galatians 5, 16, Ephesians 5, 18. The spirit lusts against the flesh, the flesh against the spirit. You cannot do that what you would. Continue to be filled with the spirit of God over and over again. That person will be constantly trying to glorify God and be tried in three areas as Adam. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. 1 John 2, 16. We must always recognize there is a divine side as well as the human side. Always both of them working together, giving all diligence to add to our faith, virtue, excellence, so on and so forth in 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7. I have to cultivate my life. It doesn't just happen automatically. That person is to make sure they are growing, accompanying spiritual maturity, not thinking ever that they have arrived but forgetting the things that are behind, pressing forward to those things that are ahead, to the goal and the prize of the upper call of God, as Paul said in Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Agonizing is the word there as an athlete. Athletes don't just go, well, I just play. They agonize. They push themselves. They deny themselves. They work with injuries. If you are an athlete... You know what that means. I competed in gymnastics for about eight, nine years. Work with injuries. You fall, you get up again, you do it. You want that, that trophy. You want to sit on that number one. You want that girl to put that ribbon over your head. Number one, gold. And you want to look down to the other guy and said, you're on top. Now, if I did that in the world, how much more should I do that for the Lord? Every regenerated person can be victorious. Evident by fighting the good fight and keeping the faith, as Paul declared in 2 Timothy 4, 7, as he was to be beheaded. Motivated by the love of Jesus, yielding and living in God's agape love, the greatest mark of maturity and power to overcome sin. 
Colossians 3.14, 1 John 4.17-21, 1 Corinthians 13. Depending on prayer, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God bring my thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ in 2 Corinthians 10, 4-5. Submitting to God and resisting the devil. James 4, 7, and 8. You see, we're not to be ignorant to Satan's devices, meaning his perceptions, purpose, and thought to oppose the work of God in us. As I mentioned, the parables of Jesus regarding the second coming always punctuated the fact of having to be ready, always. Listen to Luke 12, 45 and 46. Jesus said, but if the servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and the female servants to eat, to drink, and be drunk, the master of the servant will come in a day when he is not looking for him and at a time and an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two. Listen to me. Listen carefully. This is Jesus speaking. And appoint him, his portion, with the unbelievers. The servant knew his master was coming at one time. Then he said, my master's delaying is coming. And I will appoint him with the unbelievers. The one being appointed with the unbelievers is one who believed at one time. Jesus warned about the tribulation, great tribulation. Listen to Luke 21, 36. He's the only one who says it. Matthew doesn't say it. Mark doesn't say it. John doesn't say it. But Luke does. Listen. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. The context of Luke 21 is tribulation, great tribulation. Pray and watch that you are worthy to escape and to stand before the Son of Man. The rapture. Second Timothy 4, 3 and 5 says, Paul says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up to themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside the fables. But you, Christians, be watchful in all things, Endure affliction. Do the work of evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Specifically, he's talking to Timothy. But in principle, it's to every one of us. The believers to live the truth as he is looking for the coming of Jesus. Third, the believers to fight temptations. Fourteen. The Apostle Paul declared the positive prevention against a life of sin while waiting for the coming of Jesus. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Simple. Couldn't make it any simpler than that. Paul stated the believer has to allow Christ to live through him. The word but marks the sharp contrast between the particular list of sins and and the previous verse and what he's going to say now. Once again, the phrase put on means to be clothed as if to put on a coat or a shirt. The believer, by putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, is abiding in Christ and depending on Christ. As Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing in John 15, 5. Paul puts it this way in Galatians 2, 20. 
I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I cannot chance living my own life. Let me repeat that again. I cannot chance living my own life and be confident looking for the second coming. I must allow Christ to live through me to be confident looking for the second coming. Notice the Apostle Paul then stated the negative prevention against sin. He always hits both sides. And this is again while waiting for the coming of Jesus. And make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Paul stated the believer has to not cater to his or her sin nature. The believer still has sin nature, as you know. It will remain to the day the Lord takes us home or we die. The believer also has a divine nature, as we've said, so that we don't have to live as slaves to sin any longer. The refusal to put on Christ will, in effect, be making provisions for the old man, the flesh. If we're not walking in the spirit, we're going to walk in the flesh. Look at the word provisions. It means forethought. Make no provisions. Forethought. Providential care for the flesh. The sin nature. In other words, the present imperative command to make no provisions means, as he's writing to these guys, stop indulging your sin nature by seeking it, cultivating it, and partaking in it, be it in thought, in word, or in deed. Whoa. Stop. That means they were doing it. Who's he talking to? Believers. He's warning believers, ladies and gentlemen, not the non-believer. Bringing every thought into captivity again, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. Obedience of Christ. Then Paul stated the believer has to deny the satisfaction of his sin nature. The goal of our sin nature is to tempt and trap the believer into sin in order to reach the goal. What is it? To fulfill its lust. The thrill, the adrenaline, the excitement. The word lust means cravings, passionate desire. The context is in a sinful way, that which is against the new nature and the new man. But the word lust does not always or exclusively refer to sexual things. We always think that. Certainly he has mentioned some, and we want to be cautious there because it is one of the strongest drives we have. But there are so many other things. Strong desire for gossip. Maybe you are very disciplined to keep your mind in control about sensual, sexual things, but you just love gossip. How about craving food? Well, I can't believe those guys. Look at that. They just drink. They're just sexually active. And you gorge yourself. You're not disciplined regarding food. Whoa. Now you're messing, preacher. Yeah. The strong craving for alcohol, sexual desires, as we've seen. I have to 
train myself, I have to discipline myself by the Spirit of God, the Word of God. The day of the rapture of the church, no one knows. Mark 13, 32 says, but of the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only my Father. So we're to be ready. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation, Hebrews 10, 28. For you yourselves know perfectly well that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night, 1 Thessalonians 5, 2. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that they should overtake you as a thief, 1 Thessalonians 5, 4, 2 Peter 3, 10. The beginning of the 70 weeks of Daniel, as you know, Israel will make that covenant with the Antichrist, known as Jacob's trouble. Daniel 9, 27, Jeremiah 30, verse 7. The day that the rapture of the church will occur, it will be simultaneously beginning the day of the Lord, the day of wrath, which the church is not appointed to. Romans 5, 9, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, Revelation 3, 10. The rapture happens, the day of the Lord begins, right there. Covers the seven years and even possibly into the kingdom. We looked into the series on the millennial. The first three and a half years will be time of peace and safety, as I said. First Thessalonians 5.3. The last three and a half years, time of God's wrath, great tribulation. Second Thessalonians 2, 9 and 10. The scriptures declared the imminent return of Jesus for his church constantly. To the Corinthians, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.7, they were to be eagerly waiting for the revelation of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They were waiting. The Thessalonians turned from idols to serve the living God and wait for him from heaven, 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 through 10. Every chapter of 1 Thessalonians, at the end of the chapter, mentions the coming of Christ. 2 Thessalonians, they were told by Paul that the day of the Lord would come as a thief in the night. Now, the rapture and the second coming are both called a thief. Why? Listen to me. The rapture, we don't know when he's coming. Okay? So we're ready. The second coming, because they don't believe he's coming. You understand? If someone warns you and you don't believe it, you're caught unawares. They're both called a thief from two perspectives. We want to be ready. And because they don't believe it, they won't be ready at the end of the seven years. Paul again says, listen, Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. What an incredible statement. The believers to fight temptations as he or she is waiting for the coming of Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul has declared to us, the believer, who are looking for the coming of Jesus, that our lives should be characterized by these things. The believers to know the times as he is looking for the coming of Jesus. The believers to live the truth as he is looking for the coming of Jesus. And the believers to fight temptations as he is waiting for the coming of Jesus. It's good stuff for us, man. (laughs) So necessary for today. Are you sleeping? 
Let me slap you. Let me wake you up. Remember that old commercial? I needed that. I love it. Pastor Xavier Reese, and a reminder of the need to not only be ready, but to live a life that is always ready in anticipation for the soon return of the Lord. You can hear this message again, if you like, online anytime by selecting today's date under the radio tab at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But you can also request a CD copy of this timely study titled, Living, Knowing Jesus is Coming. As always, they're available for just $4. And this will include everything we heard the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is, Living, Knowing Jesus is Coming, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 